Hey guys, thanks for tuning in this episode. You know, I've been only trying to plan on maybe going once or twice a week. But yesterday, with the news of the Pacers firing me at Bjorker, and I wanted to get on and at least try and talk to some people about it. And uh, we ended up almost going an hour with it, so I decided to go ahead and publish it as a full episode. Um, it was good. We talked about the history of the team's coaching, who we think some of the candidates may be, and why they would or would not be a good fit. So, hope you guys enjoy. And, uh, you know, all, as always, you know, let us know what you think. Thanks. You know, I hadn't planned on doing anything today, so this isn't going to be like a, a full show or anything. Um, so the full crew that's normally here is not here. Um, but we got some big news um, just before noon today from Woj. And I just wanted to get, you know, touch on that before we, you know, end off a week of shows here. So, um I'm going to talk a little bit about um, mostly just go off of GM Kevin Pritchard's interview today and a little bit of what Woj reported to ESPN. And then uh, we'll go into some of the people that are up for the job potentially. Um, We will talk about the Pacers coaching history. And then maybe after that, um, we will talk about the Pacers' future in general. So um, I got Aaron and Austin here with me tonight. And um, so, yeah, let's just get started. So, like I said, just before noon today, Woj broke the news that um, Nate Bjorken, after one season, would not be coming back uh, to Indiana next year to coach, uh, making him the second shortest tenured coach in Pacers' history. And it's not saying much because Mel Daniels only coached two games in 88 as an interim. So um, if you're not counting that Mel Daniels stint in 90 or in 88, then Nate Bjorken is the shortest tenured coach in team history. So um, they met with Nate yesterday to discuss his future, which during exit interviews, you know, towards or at the end of last or this season against Washington when we lost the playing game. Um, it didn't sound like Nate's future was great with us. Um, so it's, it isn't totally unexpected. Um, last year, the Indiana Pacers interviewed close to 20 different candidates, um, for this job. And like, I'll get into here in a second. Um, Pritchard thought that was, you know, too much work and trying to find a new coach. Um, there was, Talk that if the Pacers thought that they were in rebuild mode, that Nate would have stuck around, uh, that they would have kept his contract going. Um, but let's get into uh, Kevin Pritchard's interview here. Um, first thing he talked about was what his views on coaching were, and he believed that becoming or that head coaching was becoming more of a human management than it has been in the past. Just kind of keeping guys together, keeping them on the right page pushing them uh, and keeping the team together throughout an entire season, which is sort of what uh, Garrett, who's normally on our show has been preaching lately and our discussions with uh, about Thibodeau and uh, Jason kid. 
But Pritchard said he believes that it does take an entire staff, and he is one guy that he uh, believes in coordinator-type coaching, where in the NFL you have a head coach, but you got an offensive coordinator, defense coordinator. And Kevin Pritchard said today that that is something that he definitely believes in. He believes that there should be a head coach, and there's guys that are stronger in one thing, stronger in another, and they can all get together to work uh, as one unit. Um, he doesn't think it's a one-person job anymore. Um, he did say a lot of interesting things today that I thought were very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very, I was surprised to hear somebody of his job level say some of the things that he did out in public. Um, he, uh, said that they took Nate because they wanted to take a risk which I thought was very interesting. Um, I know they've had the same style of play, you know, very defensive first, um, offense second, and just kind of pound the ball, um, you know, as he called it, a hard hat and lunch pail identity for the Indiana Pacers. Um, He thought that when they were doing their search for coach last year, that it was almost too much, he said. Uh, It was very exhaustive, and that's not something that he's looking – forward to doing again and he, but he did say that he'd keep that list from last year and maybe go back to some of the guys that talked to uh, stuff like that um, he said that hard hat lunch pail identity that they had in the past 12-13 years before going into this new style of team was something that he wanted to get back to he talked about when he first got the job um, that he was just pounded on by Larry Bird and Donnie Walsh at defense wins championships and that is what he has tried to instill in this team. And that's, you know, really what the team had been going for for a long time. Um, but when he looks at today's game, he knows that, you know, defense can win championships. But he knows that in today's game, you need both. You need offense. You need defense. And he's trying to get the team in that direction. Um As far as what he's looking for in his new coach, he's does, he did say that there were a few guys already in mind but nothing uh, set in stone yet. He wouldn't go into anything specific. Uh, he said it was hard and nothing. They had to get rid of a coach today, and he's really beating himself over it, as he said. Uh, he was asked if the Pacers would listen to the players when it came to uh, their input on the new coach, and this really shocked me. I, usually you know, people say the safe thing, oh, yeah, we're going to keep everybody happy. Uh, but here's an exact here's the exact quote that he that we got. Uh, he said that the they are a player centric team, but then follow that up with players have opinions, but they don't know what's best or what's best to push them, which I thought was surprising. Um, and then he went on a huge you know thing about how he doesn't think there's any leaders on this team. He said that the Pacers are a decent team. And that they're not trying to go from great from good to great. They're just trying to get to good. Um, he said they got to find a guy to get the players to be their best. Uh, when asked about the locker room, he said individually, he loved the locker room. Um, he said he had a couple leaders in mind after talking to players in their exit interviews, but there isn't a vocal leader on the team yet. He said they haven't had. A, he said the last MVP the team has had was Al Jefferson. So that tells you how long it's been since Pritchard believes there was a guy on the team that was really the MVP. He says the MVP is not necessarily the guy that has to play a ton of minutes, but the guy that can 
is always there to show leadership, keep the team together, keep moving in the right direction. Uh, you know, he's not trying to tamper with anything. So he didn't mention a name specifically, but the player he described was Adonis Haslam. He wants somebody like that who is there, locked in with a team, 20 years, just there to keep the team together and not necessarily play, but just keep the, everything in order. Um, he said that he challenged some players to be the vocal leader that the team needs, uh, that keeps everyone together. And he hopes that those players that he talked to will become that, but he doesn't know if they have uh, that player on the roster. He's not a hundred percent sure. Um, again, without tampering, he did admit that he misses Dan Burke. And I know that's what he means because he talked about the defensive minded coach that we've had for 20 years. He misses that guy. And I can think, I think that most Pacers fans would miss Dan Burke. Um, you know, no nonsense tells you how it is. If they suck, he'll tell you. Um, he, he did talk about how uh, this was his decision in the end. The owners had nothing to do with it. He was not happy. Um, and he talked about how he doesn't think he, this team is going to be a top three or four team in the next two or three years, but he wants them to be able to compete at that level. Um, so with that being said, that pretty much wrapped up his interview. If you guys haven't seen it, uh, Pacers posted it on Facebook. It's about 10, 15 minutes long. Um, so Aaron Austin, if you guys did see that, uh, what do you think? Aaron, we'll start with you. Uh, what do you think about what I just uh, said about that? Um, I didn't see the interview, but that's kind of Kevin Pritchard's MO. It has been at least the last few years where he's all about just keeping the players happy and nothing else really matters. And I think he should have just, I mean, looking back on it now, it's easy to say he should have kept Nate McMillan in there because that's what Nate does best. But Dan Burke is really the, the was always the solid foundation. I mean, he was there for twenty three years, so I mean, that was always he. He was he only he only coached one game in the history that he was there, and I would have liked to have seen him maybe get the shot to be head coach. But I don't even know if he wanted it. That's all I have. Okay. Uh, no response there. Uh, Tyler, let's go to you. Uh, what's your input on this uh, interview with Kevin Pritchard and moving yeah, I haven't seen the the interview anyway either. My take on the situation as a Pacers fan is that I I wasn't the biggest fan of the firing of Nate McMillan. I liked kind of that tough mentality. I know that we didn't win come playoff team playoff time like we had wanted to, uh, but we were always a solid team. So you, you, you kind of get rid of that. Now you're saying you want to go back to it and you want an experienced coach. Well, we had that. And now he's with Atlanta, you know, doing good things. So to me, you know, I just feel like if you wanted to go outside of the mold and you wanted to do this experiment with Bjorkren, you know, give it more than a year. You know, I didn't really like the direction that we were going, but you made a big statement and – we were super banged up this year. Um, 
So there is a little bit of defense of him. It sounds like there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that I don't know of. So maybe that helped, you know, maybe the locker room was worse than, than it showed, but you just, you got to pick what your plan is. You can't just keep saying you want tough defense, tough minded team, and then say, we're breaking the mold. We're going to go offensive. We're going to be the, the Warriors. And then immediately fire that guy and say, we need to get somebody tough-nosed and experienced. I think he's just a little bit caught up in what he actually wants. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, it, it almost sounded during that interview, with the way he was answering questions and stuff, it made it sound like he wasn't quite on board fully with abandoning his uh, nitty-gritty, you know, uh, team, blue-collar team, and that they went this route doing something different. And then, you know, now it didn't work and he's immediately like, let's get rid of this guy. We're going back. Um, my, my personal feelings towards it where I just felt like he it wasn't all, you know, full, he wasn't fully on board with the hire in the first place. And, you know, that, that could be uh, the reasoning. Um, you know, he gets final say he is, you know, the boss in that situation. The owners are completely backing him. So, he didn't like what he saw and you know he made the move um somebody did try to ask him about what i think it was bob kravitz actually tried to push him to uh talk about you know what the behind the scenes issues were and uh he you know out of respect did not want to talk about that uh, at least right now um he said that nate knows what he did wrong and knows what he needs to work on um and that was it um he said he's a pacer he now um so he wants to do everything he can to help nate in the future um but yeah I, to me it just sounded like pritchard didn't want him to be there in the first place honestly is what i got i'd be interested for you guys to listen to that interview later and maybe get back on what you think with that but um austin what what is your take from this interview with pritchard this afternoon yeah once again missed the interview but um yeah i mean i i I don't like the firing. They, they've got one year on him. I mean, you, you got to give the guy a fair shake and give him a chance to succeed with more than a year. Uh, he dealt with a lot of injuries this year. Um, the real question, I guess, going forward is what are they going to do at the coaching position? I mean, I think Jason Kidd's potentially a lock with Boston. Um, Terry Stotts is available. We've got other coaches that came from Portland to Indiana. Um, so I think Stotts is probably at the top of the list if Jackson isn't available. But they could potentially double down on this offensive mindset. I mean, I know that's they want to get back to that blue-collar mentality, but, I mean, Dan Tony is another guy out there who's got strong coaching experience. And, I mean, if anybody's going to get him to that, that strong three-point shooting, fast, aggressive offense like they intended with Bjorkman, I think D'Antoni would be that guy. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that uh, Portland uh, connection because if the Pacers do decide to go in the Stotts direction, that would be the third coach to leave Portland and come to Indiana to coach. Um, hey, Dave, Dan Burke was also for the Blazers before he came to the Pacers. So there you go. That's that's four guys. Uh, we're talking uh, Doc Ramsey, uh, Nate McMillan, and – like Aaron just said, Dan Burke, and then potentially Terry Stotts. Um, so 
now that we've gotten that interview out of the way, um, I want to kind of go through some of the coaching history of the Pacers uh, in general. So, um, unfortunately, we have to start with the NBA version of Slick Leonard, which we cannot thank that that man enough for what he did to the Pacers organization. There would be no Pacers without Slick, and uh, we lost Slick this year, and that was tough. Um, but NBA Slick Leonard, unfortunately, uh, through 328 games, had a 43% winning percentage. Uh, Jack McKinney comes in in 1980 and wins Coach of the Year his first year of the Pacers, but his tenure ended um, with a 38% winning percentage. Um, George Irvine came in in 84, was there for a couple of years, again, a 31% winning percentage. Uh, Doc Ramsey came in at 86 to 88, got out there a little bit. At this point, he is now the winningest coach in Pacers history, uh, but you know, they get rid of him. They bring in Mel Daniels for two games. He goes 0-2 for a career coaching record of 0%. Uh, they bring George Irvine back again to finish up that season. But then Dick, Dick Versace comes in, uh, really the first successful coach in Pacers history. He's there for two seasons, the 51-56 and 56 record. And then we get Bob Hill, the first Pacer coach, to finish his tenure with a winning record. Uh, and then Larry Brown. So Larry Brown's really the first success the Pacers have as a coach, uh, 93 to 97. Uh, back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals uh, finishes with, at the time, the highest winning percentage in team history and the first Pacer coach to leave the Pacers and then to win a title, which he did with Detroit in 2004. And then Bird Magic happens, 97 to 2000. He takes a uh, team that, with a losing record, misses the playoffs, takes them to the Eastern Conference Finals, three years in a row, winning in his last year, going to the only finals appearance in team history, and he has the highest winning percentage in team history at 67%, um, also coach of the year. Uh, then Isaiah Thomas comes in. Um, Rick Carlisle comes in, gets the Pacers back to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 2000. Uh, I don't want to talk about Jim O'Brien, but he was next. And then the greatest coach in Pacers history should still be with the team. That is not a biased opinion. Frank Vogel, uh, 250 wins, the all-time leader in coaching wins in Pacers history, not counting Slick's ABA stats. 58% winning percentage, which is tied for Larry Brown for second. Um, Back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals, potentially, if you're not counting that finals team, the greatest team in Pacers franchise history. Um, then Nate McMillan comes in for four years. He gets to the playoff four straight years, but as we all know, was fired because he could not get out of that first round. And that was huge. 183 wins, which is third most in team history. Um, and then of course, now we got Nate 34, 38, 47% winning percentage in, uh, 72 games coached. Um, now Nate McMillan is still in the playoffs. And if the Hawks do go on this miraculous run and they end up winning the finals, to be the fourth coach to lead the Pacers and go win a title after Brown, uh, Carlisle, and Vogel. Um, so, um, Aaron, we'll start with you again. What's your take on the Pacers coaching history? And do you see any kind of uh, outlying thing, like any kind of track record the Pacers might be trying to go back onto? Other than just the Portland Trailblazers and Kevin Pritchard just wanting to just move everybody from that organization 
to our organization. Yeah, I should mention uh, Kevin Pritchard was an interim coach for the Portland Trail. He was also their executive when they had Nate McMillan, and I don't know who else. But, he also drafted Gordon uh, or Grego over Kevin Durant. He also had players just constantly get injured for his teams too, like besides Greg Oden, but he had Brandon Roy and now he has the Pacers with Paul George and Victor and TJ Warren, everybody every year basically for us. But um, one thing I was thinking of with you talking about Kevin Pritchard's interview today, just wanting to go back to that, you know, blue collar style of play. One guy that kind of fits the mold for both maybe experimental, but also that blue collar play is a former Pacer assistant, um, Mike Brown. I don't love the idea of Mike Brown being the coach of the Pacers, but he has won titles with the Spurs. He coached under Rick Carlisle for the Pacers. Um, and he also won two titles as an assistant for the Warriors. And he's just a, an idea that I thought, and I know they interviewed him last year, I believe, for the job. And if I don't know if he is on the radar, but it seems like a very Pacer coach. Yeah, I did want to touch on that here next. Um, of the coaches that were interviewed last year, I'm going to list off the guys that have that definitely did uh, interview for sure and are not coaching uh, head coaches somewhere else. They interviewed Steven Silas last year. He got the Rockets job. They interviewed Chris Finch. Uh, he's now in Minnesota. So I'm going to read off the list of guys who are assistants and still available to become head coaches. And then I have three guys highlighted that I want to go more in-depth that I think could potentially be good fits, not just for the Pacers, but um, head coaching in general. So the list right now is we have assistant coaches for the Clippers, Chauncey Billups and Dan Craig, uh, Dave Yorger, uh, the former head coach in uh, Memphis and Sacramento, now with Philadelphia. Uh, Like Aaron just said, Mike Brown, assistant in Golden State, Pat Delaney from Orlando, uh, Bucks assistants Darvin Ham and Charles Lee, Spurs assistants Becky Hammond and Will Hardy, uh, Dallas assistant Jamal Mosley, uh, Miami Heat assistant Chris Quinn, Portland assistant Nate Tibbetts, which if things keep up, that's where it's looking. Uh, David Vanderpool in Minnesota, which Chris Finch did announce that Vanderpool will not be returning to Minnesota, so he is wide open. And Brooklyn assistants Jacques Vaughn, and Ime Adoka. And out of that list, uh, Tyler, who was somebody that stands out to you? You know, I, like assistant coaches in the NBA, like, I think back to the point of, you know, I'm not sure if the NBA is an X's and O's league, if it's a player development league, like I don't know, relationship league. So I, I really don't have a sense on a lot of those people. Um, I think, you know, you're, you're going to have to get somebody like that because I just going back to the whole point around the firing of McMillan and now, um, the current coach, I I wonder just how much it taints the job for potential candidates, you know, short leash, a GM who doesn't seem to understand, doesn't seem to know what direction he wants to go with the team. Um, I just wonder how much that plays in. I like that uh, former Memphis coach that you mentioned. I like that kind of tough-nosed approach that I think Pritchard's talking about. I think he fits that well. I think a uh, 
Becky Hammond, I think, is interesting just from the standpoint of the historical nature of it, but also just a Popovich from the pop from the Popovich tutelage, and I think that's been successful in the past. Those are the only two names that really jump out to me. Yeah, it's interesting the Becky Hammond situation because we've seen these uh, Popovich assistants just seem to get jobs. Um, Budenholzer, uh, can't think of his name. Oh, Borrego in Charlotte. And um, Ime Adoka still hasn't got his shot. Um, but I felt like Becky Hammond would have had hers by now. Will Hardy's really big up and coming. Aaron? Mike Brown was a Popovich guy, too. Before yeah. He was, uh, that was, that was a... yeah, so I want to touch on the three guys that I think um, the Pacers might look, you know, give some big looks at. Um, Terry Stott's definitely one, and we know what his resume is like, especially since he's been coaching here recently. Um, but I want to go through three guys, I think, specifically, and we'll talk about maybe what uh, their history is and what they might be able to bring. The first guy I want to talk about is Dan Craig from the Clippers. Now, I know the Pacers are looking for um, the uh, – I forgot the word I'm looking for. They want the experience. They're, they, you know, they tried the um, Nate Bjorkren thing. It didn't quite work out. Kevin Pritchard wants to go back to experience. Now, I know Dan Craig doesn't have quite the experience as a head coach – um, in the NBA, but he was a D League coach of the year. He is a D League champion, and he was the ass- an assistant for the uh, Miami Heat when they won the finals with Dwayne Wade and Shaq. And he was there for LeBron, D Wade, and Bosch's titles in 2012 and 2013. Um, so I think that might be somebody they look hard at. I know Dan Craig has been interviewed for a lot of positions. He interviewed for the Pacers last year, and. He is somebody that has proven, at least on one level, of the NBA that he can win and was a part of three titles in the NBA. So what do you think about that, Austin? Does that stand out to you for a, a t- potential candidate for the Pacers to take a double look at this time around? Uh, I mean, it's possible. I mean, you look at, uh, just to touch on what Tyler said, I, I do think the NBA is a relationship league. You see it everywhere, uh, former players get in coaching positions with high-profile players. I mean, that's what's going to happen probably with Jason Kidd. Um, like you said, I mean, he's coached with D-Wade, Shaq, LeBron. I, I think that fits a profile if, if it truly is a relationship-driven league. Yeah, definitely. And I, um, I, and I would think that somebody like Chauncey Billups would have these relationships as well. I know that he mentored a lot of players after coaching like Dame and stuff like that. But with the Pacers um, maybe not wanting to be as risky, I don't know if they're willing to go with somebody like a Chauncey Billups or Becky Hammond. Or, uh, yeah, that's a bad like history that. there. I don't know if Pacer fans will buy that. Yeah, that's a whole other subject. Aaron, I know you've already unmuted your mic. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's okay. I don't need to talk about it. It's it's <laughs> it's. it's yeah, I understand, but I I am a uh, on the on board with the whole we need uh, what did Pritchard call it human management. Uh, the connections are definitely there with uh, Billups, and I think that he could bring in players that the Pacers uh, wouldn't normally be able to pull in, being a smaller market. 
Um, another guy I wanted to talk about uh, was Dave Yeager, the former coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, Yeager's been around for quite a while. Um, his last stint uh, was with the Kings, which I don't know if that team is even coachable. Um, to me, they're like the Timberwolves. It doesn't matter who's on that roster. They just can't seem to find a way to win. Um, Dave Yeager was in the D league for a long time. He was an assistant with Memphis from 07 to 13 before finally getting the job, uh, the head coaching gig there from 13 to 16 before being let go. Uh, he's also a D league champion. Uh, he was a three time, uh, continental basketball association champion in the CBA, a coach of the year there twice. Um, if I don't, if I remember correctly, I don't think he had a bad stint in Memphis, and it was uh, he won fifty games his first year there, fifty five his second year, and then went forty two and forty, and he was let go. Now the Memphis years were not great either, and now he's back in the league after a couple year absence with uh, Philadelphia. And then the last guy that I wanted to talk about was who Aaron brought up was Mike Brown, and that being because Mike Brown has been in the league a long time. Um, Let me get to my uh, page here real quick. He's been coaching in the NBA since 97, Uh, assistant with Washington that year, his his first year in the league. Then he was assistant uh, for the Pacers with Rick Carlisle and their uh, great seasons there, that 61-win season, which is a franchise record still. He was there for that before getting the head coaching job in Cleveland, which – I know uh, he's a LeBron. Uh, he had LeBron. So even, you know, today we say, oh, he coached LeBron. You know, what does that mean? LeBron's carrying the team. But that team, and I still go back to this, that 2008-2009 Cleveland Cavaliers team still had no business winning 66 games. And they did. And they got to the finals, uh, you know, where they eventually lost. That's that's saying something. Um, he was let go. Uh, from Cleveland after a 61 win season, and went to the Lakers, went 41 and 25. The next year was one and four, got let go, went back to Cleveland, had a losing season. But he's been with Golden State in that dynasty ever since. So, uh, Tyler, let's go back to you real quick. Uh, what do you think about Mike Brown's future? Not maybe just for the Pacers, but just in general as a coach in the NBA. I mean, Mike Brown has good pedigree, kind of like you said. I could see him, get, you know, being interviewed for the job. I, I guess it all kind of just comes back to, you know, what the Pacers are after. Um, but if they want an experienced guy, pedigree, um, he would certainly make that that list. All right, and um, if anybody, you know, down in the chat wants to uh, come up and say, you know, what they think the Pacers should do, um, you're more than welcome to chime in here. Um, Like I said before we got started here, this wasn't a planned show. We did our two shows for the week already, but with this news coming out today, it was something I definitely wanted to talk about. Um, So before we uh, head off, um, Aaron, we'll start with you. Um, Where do you – what's your – uh, prediction right now if you had a pick right now where are the Pacers going oh man that's it's just it's so tough to say already but I've said Mike Brown seems like the right idea if Terry Stotts gets an interview I just think it's a shoe and it's just such a Pacer thing to go get a, another Blazers coach um, one that 
really the track record's not that great. And it's just, I just think it's the wrong way to go, but I think it's exactly what the Pacers will do. It's just what they Tyler? I'll be honest, I got no clue at this point. Um, you know, going back to Pritchard's interview, I guess, um, you know, last time the coaching search seemed to weigh on him. It's going to be interesting how many candidates he interviews and who's on that list. Austin? Yeah, I think he's probably got a short list this time around. I, I think he's got his eyes set on somebody. I I think Pritchard needs to be looked at to be gone because it's clear he doesn't really know what he wants to do. He's been indecisive for quite a while now. Um, I, I think they need to go probably towards Stotts personally. I don't know if he's the right hire, but that, that's just what makes the most sense right now coming from Portland. All right, and I will ask one more question. Uh, Aaron, who do you want as the coach of the Pacers? I think I really like the idea of Becky Hammond being the Pacers coach. Uh, I just – because even if the Pacers don't win right away, they're not going to get criticized, and this isn't isn't what it's going to feel like when they underachieve as as harshly as they have this year. Um, even with the injuries, I think that Becky Hammond will have a really long leash in the eyes of the NBA and other fan bases. And I think the players will respect her for what she did in the WNBA and not give her the crap that Nate Bjorkman's always getting from the players. Um, I think the expectations will be kind of lowered. No, I mean, not in a bad way because she's a female head coach, but she is the first female head coach if she gets the position. <clears throat> and I think it's just an easier way out. And I think she'd do a good job still. Okay. Uh, Tyler, who do you want to see as the Pacers coach? I think, you know, Stotts and Brown are kind of the big names, more of an under the radar guy. I'd say that Dave Yeager, um, I don't know. I keep going back to him just because I, I just there's something about those former Grizzlies teams that just seem you know so hard nosed, grinded out. I wouldn't mind him getting a look. Uh, Austin, who do you who would you like to see take that role? <laughs> Touching on what Aaron said, I think uh, I think Becky Hammond might be the right way to go. Like he said, I mean. She's going to have a long leash. It's, I mean, it's going to look terrible on the organization if they're the ones to hire her and fire her in a year. So I, I think she'll have a long leash. She'll have that respect from players. It's evident that Bjorkman didn't have much respect with the players. I mean, we saw what happened with Goga late in the season. I mean, they're trying to make a playoff push, and they have to be separated on the bench. Um, touching on what Kevin just said in the chat with Mike D'Antoni, I just don't think that trying to be aggressive the way they're on the offensive side if they're trying to get back to that blue-collar mentality. Yeah, not that there's uh, anything wrong with Dan Tony, but um, after Kevin GM Kevin Pritchard's comments today, he made it known that they're wanting to get back to that, you know, hard, like he said, quote, was hard hat, lunch pail identity, you know, do the dirty work, get in there, and... Um, you know, just play tough basketball. Um, not saying that Dan Tony couldn't do anything with that team. I mean, that team is full of offensive talent right now. Um, but I just don't know that Kevin Pritchard is going to pull the trigger. And to kind of go 
uh, touch on the point of, you know, like Aaron said with Becky Lynch and the long leash. I think this is a great opportunity for any coach to come in because there's not going to be an option for Kevin Pritchard, but to give somebody a long leash because if somebody hires somebody and they fail right away and there's rumors that start coming out there on the hot seat, Kevin Pritchard's on the hot seat. He cannot go another year of a failed hiring, especially after admitting today that they did an exhaustive search in their head coaching last year. And if they did an exhaustive search where you said we even did way too much and you fired the guy after one year, I just need to be on him. Aaron? Hey, sorry about that. I was messaging Austin back in the chat. You said Becky Lynch there instead of Becky Hammond. It was kind of making us laugh. Um, uh, hilarious. My bad. Shout out to the man. <laughs> she would Becky be a good Hamm- choice, yeah. I think. <laughs> I think that'd be she real definitely hard. got authority. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So I wouldn't want to not listen to her. That's for sure. Um, beat up half that roster. I just want to answer the D'Antoni thing a little bit more. Uh, the Pacers also will have to pay Bjorken a little bit. They kind of canceled the contract and he was fired. I don't think they have the budget to go get a coach like D'Antoni anyway. I mean, I know the coaches don't get as much as the players, but D'Antoni kind of will take a couple million that you don't want to pay towards your coach. Um, especially with the Pacers organization. The, the problem that I think Kevin Pritchard having with this whole wanting to play faster or wanting to play hard nose is that roster is the way the way the roster is built and the way they draft is very hard nose. Like with getting Goga and having Domas and Miles blocking shots the way he does. Brogdon's a very hard nose point guard, but then they go out, get Bjorkren and the roster's really not built for that sort of style. So they have to, you know, Vic wants out, so they go get someone like Karras and he fits that mold really well, but I don't know if he fits the hard nose mold as much as he fits the speed. And it's just, it's interesting the way this roster is. It'd be more, way more interesting to see what kind of free agents they get and what they do with that. And if they decide to re-sign people like McConnell and McDermott, if they can even get them back the way they played this year before they decide on the direction. But it, I don't, I just don't know at this point. It's just too soon. Yeah. I mean, it's, really hard. The roster definitely did not fit Bjorkren's style of play. And after Pritchard's comments today about um, individually he likes the locker room, uh, that makes it kind of sound like he's willing to, you know, make any kind of move um, that needs to happen. Um, As far as Bjorkren's contract, it was a three-year deal, but only two years were guaranteed. So they're only going to owe him for this uh, this next season. So I don't know if that's too much of an issue. Hey, Griffin, thanks for joining the chat. Do you have any input on the Pacers coaching search or anybody, any candidate that you'd like to see take the job? Well, someone who they'd want. They'd probably want Brad Stevens, but that's not going to happen this year. Yeah, good, good point. They'd be like, oh, we want Brad Stevens, but he's a GM, so we got to wait a little bit. <laughs> um. They probably want McMillan back, but obviously Atlanta's definitely going to extend him. They should. Yeah, I, I, I think he definitely should be rewarded with the contract extension in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like they just need to get a players coach. They need to go to a players coach route. I think guys that can they can relate to the players in that locker room. And they, uh, 
they got to figure out the Miles Turner is the bonus situation because they got to you, you got to start committing Sabonis as your center, not keep running that Sabonis Miles Turner duo. It's not working. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised if we if uh, Turner gets dealt this off season. I mean, that's been rumored for the last two three years. So, um, as far as a players coach, somebody that might come out of this, I wouldn't say out of left field because he was interviewed for the job last year, but. David Vanterpool, when he got um, looked over as uh, head coach of the Timberwolves, I mean, Dame came out in support. I mean, people really seem to really like this guy. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I think that might solve the experience. He's been around for a long time. And a, a player's coach, someone that is respected by the league. What do you think about that, Austin? I don't really have much input on him. Aaron, do you have anything? Um, I don't know much about Vanderpool, but other people that I know that have coached and the players have really liked, and I think he even coached Karis LeVert and the, with the Nets was Atkins, Kenny Atkinson. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot about Kenny. I know the, yeah. the players really, really liked Kenny Atkinson, and when he got fired, it was really surprising. But, I mean, seeing the net, direction the Nets went, I mean, they got rid of everybody, so by then, I thought. Yeah, let me look at Kenny Atkinson real quick. Uh, was in Brooklyn for four years, a twenty and sixty-two record his first year, twenty-eight and fifty-four, and then or after that went forty-two and forty. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, that roster didn't have a whole lot going on with it. Um, let's see if I can get that starting lineup. D'Angelo, for that. D'Angelo Russell's that. Yeah, that's D'Angelo, Jared Allen, Joe yeah. Harris. That was a fun Brody. team. I like that team. Yeah, uh, Curix, Karis LeVert came back from his injury that year. Jared Dudley. But that's, you know, not an awesome. awesome team. Um, 28 and 34 when he got let go, and now he's with, um, now he's with the Clippers. So, yeah, I uh, could see that being an option as well. Yeah, and with the games that I watched him coach, I mean, comparing him to Nate Bjorken, for instance, the Pacers would get a, a lot of crap. I mean, the Pacers get crap calls every year because they're not. They don't have the superstars. They don't have the market. You play against a superstar, they're going to get the calls every time against the Pacers. Um, and Bjorken just kind of sat there and just let his players argue and would tell him, just like, you know, settle down. It's okay. And, and never, never do anything to back his players up. Kenny Atkinson would get ejected five times in the first I remember that he did argue a lot. I'm uh, wanting to look up one thing real quick. Uh, somebody that intrigues me is Chris Quinn, just because he's been around uh, the NBA for a while. He played for the Heat uh, from 2006 2010. Was with the New Jersey Nets in 2010, and then the Spurs in 10 and 11 before going overseas and coming back to Cleveland in 13. Um, but he's been with the Miami Heat as an assistant coach since 2014. Um, he played college basketball at Notre Dame, so he does have a little bit of a Indiana connection. So that's a route they could go at. And like I said, he was interviewed last round um, for the Pacers job. But I think if I'm Becky Hammond, not Becky Lynch, Becky Hammond, uh, this is a perfect job for her because, like I said, Pritchard has no choice but to commit to somebody long-term, and she's going to have that leash not only because of the historical prospects of it, uh, but the Pacers are they have 
for Pritchard's sake, has to commit to a coach uh, for a while. And I know that we had that Larry Bird rule, you know, coach three years, you're out. Um, but I think this next coach is going to be one that sticks around for a while, whether the team does great or not. And I think this team will, uh, if they don't succeed here in the next year or two, they're going to let that coach decide. Uh, they're going to build a roster around the coach, I think. All right, any uh, last words before we uh, get off here, Aaron? Yeah, we just didn't talk about Mark Jackson at all. I mean, I, we talked about it before on the on the show. Um, I, I'm, I'm assuming he's just not looking for a job or or he's still – I don't know if he's butthurt about the, the Warriors situation. I mean, every time I watch him do a Warriors game um, on the broadcast, I just feel bad for him. I have to talk about all this stuff. Is that – all this time, you really feel like bad. it would have been him. And, and it just feels awkward. But he just deserves more of a chance if he wants it. And I think the Pacers would be the perfect fit, obviously, the way he played when he was in Indiana. Um, but, of course, I just don't know if he's looking for the position. Yeah, I think Mark Jackson would be a perfect fit for any team in this league. The perfect combination of offense and defense. Um, but I think he's been blackballed from the league. I don't think anybody wanted, wants to touch it. I don't think he has the player connection. I think he, uh, you know, I don't think a lot of people enjoyed uh, what he did in the off time uh, with him holding, you know, sermons in the locker room and the rumor that he's anti-gay and all that stuff came out, uh, whether it's true or not, I think it just um, hurt his chances. And when I had the opportunity to ask Mark Stein about it, um, he mentioned that he hasn't heard his name come up in any coaching circles or any coaching uh, vacancies coming up. So that's really one of the main reasons I didn't bring his name up. Uh, so I know a lot of Pacer fans, uh, myself included, would love to see Mark Jackson in that role. And coaches have been forgiven for all sorts of off-court issues in the past. I mean, we just talked about Jason Kidd the other night and all the stuff that he's dealt with with his domestic violence and his DUI and all that kind of stuff. But um, I, like I said, I mean, I didn't bring it up because Mark Stein said that he hadn't heard his name come up in any uh, rumors whatsoever. Go ahead, Griffin. You got anything? Yeah, I got uh, two more candidates I can throw out there. Okay, go ahead. Um, one is um, if the Bucks lose in the second round and Coach Bud gets fired, maybe he'd be the guy for Indiana. Yeah, definitely. I did see that come up a lot today, especially from Bucks fans on Twitter that were uh, – I think I saw Mark Stein posted today after the Bjorken firing that there's now three openings in the NBA, Indiana, Portland, and Orlando, and a ton of Bucks fans saying – you forgot Milwaukee's after we lose round one. So, yeah, uh, Budenholzer just might need to change the scenery, and that you know could be a, a big hiring for the Pacers. Yeah, and then the last one, uh, Jacques Vaughn. He did a pretty decent job with that Nets team after Caxton got let go and got him in the bubble in the playoffs last year. Yeah, and I like Jacques Vaughn a lot too. He's uh, been a head coach for a couple of different teams in the league. I want to pull him up real quick just to look at him again. Um, was he not the head coach in Phoenix for a while, Austin? 
how recent are we talking? Is uh, uh, that doesn't name that name doesn't even ring any bells for? Yep, nope. I was wrong. I don't know who I'm thinking of. He was uh, the head coach in Orlando from 2012 to 2015. Also a Popovich assistant from 10 to 12. Uh, he's been with Brooklyn since 2016 and filled in as interim uh, before the Steve Nash signing. So yeah, he's been around. He played from 97 to 09. Um, so yeah, I mean that's another uh, great option as well. He won a championship as a player with the Spurs in 2007. Um, tons of college accolades. Uh, but yeah, that's not it's not a bad choice at all. Um, that's actually a, a you know a good uh good choice there as well. If Budenholzer gets fired, I mean they got to go all in on him. But wasn't he? Oh, coach, yeah, he's he coach of the year a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't want, you wouldn't want like the Lakers to get him or something like that. You'd want to jump on him, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I want the Lakers to take him, and we. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad bad decision either. I mean, he's the all time winningest coach in team history, and they let him go. Come on, Nate McMillan did a Jason Kidd and kind of pushed his way in there. What's what's you got some story on that? You gonna back that up a little bit? Let's well, McMillan was assistant coach for Vogel for a year, and then they're like, you know what? We kind of like this guy a little better, so we're gonna just. Thanks, Frank. But this guy is the guy. He was at Portland, yeah, so I, I like him more. Oh, yeah. Kevin Pritchard was all about it. You give any reason to hire a Portland guy, and Kevin Pritchard's on it. Um, but, yeah, that's um, – like I said, we weren't supposed to have a show today, but the Bjorker news was kind of big. We had to talk about that. So um, this ended up being an hour long anyway, so might as well make it a full episode. So, um, as always, guys, I appreciate you coming in and chatting it up. Uh, this episode i will go ahead and put this on spotify tomorrow so uh check it out go to spotify search for nba pts this episode will be uploaded for there tomorrow um aaron thanks as always austin griffin good to see you again hope you come back facebook and instagram at nba ptf um you know we're posting all sorts of stuff all the time polls give us your opinions all that kind of stuff and uh We'll see you next week unless there's some, you know, more breaking news. So, as always, appreciate you guys. We'll see you later. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. One last thing I wanted to go over real quick was I did get a chance to talk with Mark Stein again last night, and he did reiterate that Mark Jackson is not being considered by anybody, at least at this time, that he's heard for any coaching job in the league. And he did double down on the fact that Terry Stotts is likely to be the favorite going into this coaching search. But anything can happen. So I just wanted to uh, say that real quick before we got off since it was something that I talked about after we got off the, uh, the app last night. So thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thanks.